Dad Pod. Welcome this is a video thing as well. You have a name. Podcast. Or midlife crisis. Howdy, daddy. Mm. Midlife crisis. <laughs> Dadcast. That's not bad, actually. And you're very welcome along to episode two of uh, whatever we're calling this show. We think it's probably Dad Pod, Dadcast, or whatever you're having yourself. By the time this is released, though, you'll know the, the name of it, so that'll be the worst link in the history of uh, radio, <laughs> and TV. Gentlemen, you're all very welcome, but particularly Nathan is welcome. We, we had a massive delay. Nathan has obviously, you know, changed visibly. He, he's a, a much older man, more mature, wiser, broken, since the last time we saw you, because you've had a baby. Yes, I have. Yes. Well done, Nathan. Thank you. Congratulations. Thanks. A lot of hard work for me in there. Yeah. How was your experience? <laughs> my experience. Uh, my experience was great. Yeah, really good. Really good. It was a really? plain sailing all the way through. It was probably the most straightforward of... Uh-oh. Are you going to go again? <laughs> Absolutely not. That's another podcast I think we should have a little bit later on. The Snip Podcast. To, you know, when recommendations. Is, when is a suitable time to get the Snip? Yes, probably you know. after your first one. I don't yet, <laughs> but... You're probably both in the snip direction, are you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm very much in that category. In fact, have had it? No. Right. But you priced it up. Like, <laughs> You've investigated. Oh, no, it's been priced up. How much the doctor's pearl has been sought <laughs> wow. and uh, achieved. And oh, just have a there's a regular question as to why this <laughs> procedure has not been done. Hang on, what's the referral? Well, you need to get a referral to go and get it done somewhere. Oh, okay. So yeah. they don't like you can't just rug up and take it like butchers. I was actually I, I, I was I visited my GP for something else, and I just said at the end of it, actually, do I need a letter for this? And he said, you do. I said, call the snip. Put, we can put, say it. It's all right. Get it up. Get it going there. Do the paperwork. That was about. That was nine months ago. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a brilliant period He's been of time. Been using another method since then. <laughs> It's taking a taking a turn. Oh my god! Um, I don't. There, I think. Yeah, there is a, you know, some kind of a deep rooted reluctance in there. Is there not in all males? Oh yeah. Like it's it's a nature. It's meant to be fairly straightforward, though, right? Yeah, it's the it's the overturning it is the issue. Why would you ever want that done, though? Well, well, some yeah, people yeah. decide circumstances change, Dave. We're <laughs> they young want men. To change wildly. Um, no, it's not like I would ever do it for fear <laughs> of needing to reverse the procedure at some stage. No, it's just that, like. <laughs> it can't be as. I can't believe you don't know. You've never heard of anybody getting it reversed. Like, really? No, I have, but it's not yeah. something I would ever need to worry no. about. Okay. Um, well, yeah, sorry. That wouldn't be the reason. That's not the reason it hasn't, I haven't followed through. You're just scared of somebody chopping your mickey off. Pretty much. That's it. I mean, ultimately, it comes are you, to Are you afraid, yeah. you're afraid that you essentially, like, will lose some of your sex drive, is what you're talking about? No. Well, what, are you, what, are you, what, what are you worried about? <laughs> it's not, hey, someone is going to go in there, start tricking around with, like, a very delicate part of the body. I'm not, I'm not I, in a nice no way. At no stage oh. of this conversation did I say this was a rational fear. I'm yeah. just merely saying I'm there just is trying to find about root, so, what's a reluctance the there. Well, it's so it's maybe it's to do with any sort of men's uh, physical health. You, if there's some, if you've got an issue, you're you're not in the same uh, category as a woman where you'll go, Jesus, I better get that sorted, and I'm going to go and see my doctor today. Mm. We'll hum and haw for far more than is um, advisable. I thought, so, well, yeah, because I, I 
I mean, I don't know, I haven't ever actually given it any great consideration, but I did... It's coming. ...sort of think that, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think that, again, is part of the issue. Um, I did... <laughs> a, dad, I did uh, a dad joke, if ever there was one. <laughs> well, I'm in the right, the right place for it. Um, I did kind of think that, yeah, any reluctance might be, in some way, at some level, related to the idea that, you know, there's a guttural instinct behind wanting to uh, have sex, clearly, on some sort of a, like, Neanderthal level. Um, and that maybe that plays a part in your the process of deciding whether you should get this no, thing done or not. Sure, that won't, it won't, the procedure won't change that. No. All no. it will change is whether or not you can have a kid again. Did you, so, did you do biology at Leaving Cert? I failed the end result. Ah, okay, right, exactly. That would make good. Why haven't you gone down that route? Laziness. Exactly. It, now, a lot, of my, a lot of the nine-month so. delay on my part is laziness. Part of it is just a reluctance. The other part is like, I actually have to go and do it. Mm. You've been moaning all morning about a toothache. Mm. Are you not a bit nervous about going to the dentist on Monday and getting root canal? Is there a tiny little bit of that's not looking forward to it's it? It's so sore now, I just want to, I don't care what they do. I'm willing to put up with the pain, <laughs> short-term pain, to get it. 450 quid, ah! including uh, the semen analysis. How much of that can is that get back to make sure it's worked? Health cost insurance. of insecticide is 450 euros. This is a total inclusive cost, including the semen analysis. What are they analysing your semen for? I don't know. To make sure that, like... It's swimmers free. A little bit can still get through, right? I think... I mean, I, I don't know the science. A little bit is, it, is, is a vasectomy only 99%? You still have a 1 in 3,000 chance for pregnancy after having okay, a su- so successful you're right. vasectomy. You'd be pretty, you'd be pretty pissed <laughs> if, if you went to the... Well, that means, over your 500 quid. But I would imagine that they do... 3,000 vasectomies every year, which so means some one fucker. of those. <laughs> like, yeah. Hang on, those odds aren't good enough for me. Ah, they're pretty good. I think they're not great. They're, they're uh, lads. Like, okay. no, you're not gamblers. Well, you're a gambler. But one like, in 3,000 people, you're going to end up having a baby out of it. No, like, no, 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 no. You, 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 at that point, the egg might get fertilized. Yeah. At that point, you can still... Like, take the morning after pill. There are other means of contraception beyond that. Yeah, I'll listen. Yeah, but you're not thinking about them. No. You're just sort of... You're as getting your five months into it going. Do what want here, yeah. As far as you're oh, concerned, you're going to yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, you really shouldn't be considering at this stage, should you? I'm not considering it in the slightest. With respect, condoms, according to Vasectomy Ireland, who obviously are like, oh, condoms have a failure rate of 3 in 100 and the pill has a failure rate of 1 in 100. Yeah, so like, the problem is... Well, not the problem, but the reality is with a condom, the failure is quite often very... Obvious. Obvious. <laughs> Where, with this procedure, you, have like, you may not know until it's too late. Here's a you question. Won't know. If, it was, if it was irreversible. So you're, you're saying you're going to get it done, Jerry? Uh, I don't know. It's certainly part of the conversation at the moment. You, are you, are you saying you're going to get it done? It's oh, not like... Right now, I'm not thinking about it. But I, I would have been down there, like... If it was irreversible... Ten months ago, if I would have been down there. If it was irreversible, would you still get it done? With a sharp object. If, if you couldn't have it at some point reversed in the future. The irreversibility of it is <laughs> irrelevant yeah. to me. Right. Yeah. Irreversibility, so you, is that a word? I, I mean, that, we all understand, yeah. though. So you're saying that that's... Um, that plays no part in my thought right, process, okay. if it was... Ooh. Whether it's irreversible or not. Right. This is the I am done. Absolutely, <laughs> completely, <laughs> and utterly done. <laughs> Can I make it any clearer? <laughs> this feels like it's going to be turned into a comedy sketch in a year's time, and we play this back to Dave. No, I really do love you. Talking, I'm actually yeah. stomach churning right here. I have a little bit. Yeah. Oh, I'm going back to square one. I haven't started all over again. Yeah, tell me about it, Dave. That's my life. That's my life, Dave. Right now, that is my life. So your your first two kids are six and five. Right, just started. That's a big gap. 
It is. A, it's and I mean, also we had only fifteen months between the two of them. Yeah. So we had the initial shock of having your first child, which is just craziness, craziness, craziness. You're sort of getting used to it, and then there is quite a shock as it was at the time of finding out that there was a second child coming when we were on holidays in Spain. Our oldest was six months old. Ooh. And <laughs> I come back from a walk. I think I think it was just getting him to sleep. And I come back and there was definitely something up. I was like, was something else? I'm pregnant. I was like, this child? <laughs> Another child? I was actually quite calm. Certainly calmer than my wife was yeah. about the whole thing. But then you have two under 15 months. It's just a continuation of the craziness. Mm. Yeah. Whereas now I have my life back. You know, mm. we sli- the kids sleep all night. They can get themselves into the car. They can do all the little things you want them to be able to do. And suddenly, I'd totally forgotten about changing a nappy. I'd forgotten about the amount of poop. Yeah. The up the back. The eight different changes of clothing for one poop. Oh my God, it's... Poop is a very American word, but I mean, you, know, you do live in Dublin, yeah, Southside. <coughs> what, um, was this, that was this a breach. surprise to everybody, or was this a... Uh, no, not really, no. Okay, not no, really. Was a, <laughs> no, it wasn't a surprise at all. Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, we, well, we knew it was a girl anyways, thank Christ, because I did not want three boys. <laughs> because then there would be a... Wouldn't it be nice? You never know. You might have to go again, girl. yeah. So... You've got two it. boys, Dave. Done. Yeah. Would you not like a little girl? Wearing things off nicely? That would involve a third child. Three of them. You could swap one out. <laughs> <laughs> so no is being my answer. <laughs> no, they're just mental. And um, two is fine. Two is fine. Can Thankfully, I just- like... My wife isn't, you know, thinking that we really need to have a girl just to round things off. Because mm. if she was, I'd clearly have a problem on my hands. But. <laughs> <laughs> or she'd have a problem on her hands. Uh, just but, uh, to go back to the vasectomy semen sample, uh, when do I do the semen sample? No earlier than 14 weeks after the vasectomy. And you must also have ejaculated at least 25 times between the vasectomy and I when you do the sample. <laughs> <laughs> no problems there. <laughs> I mean, 25 times in 14 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that kind of sums it up, Joe. <laughs> Man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> do you but write that down? A, uh, we could just call this the Wanker Podcast. <laughs> that would actually be better. That's not pretty much any everything this, uh, this team has ever produced. Um, <laughs> is there a six-month waiting period? Cooling off period. Cooling off period. Like where you need to take extra precautions because well I don't I don't know the procedure I mean, to be fully they're saying you can have operational. sex again after two days but um, you do the semen sample to make sure that it's worked I mean if you found out at that point that it hadn't worked <laughs> you'd be like uh oh can I have my can I have my money back please well then maybe they do it again if you're one of the five percent who had a few sperm in your first sample and you'll need to do a second sample a few weeks later almost everyone will produce a clear or negative sample at that stage about one percent or less will need to do a third sample because of persistent sperm little bastards <laughs> <laughs> sorry it's six weeks it is six weeks now that, yeah. now that i think of it so it's the, pr- the procedure is actually to stop the sperm coming through yeah it ties the tube basically so the sperm get made in your balls yeah and then they swim up and they shoot out yeah and they do their little fucking magic and there's a, little, there's a little tube that they tie that prevents the... Right. I mean, just the sperm. The sperm, they, they get to that and it's like a little barrier and then they just die. Right. And they, or they eat each other and they get which, fat. Which is what like makes it... salmon trying to get over the weir, but they've it, just built the weir too high. That's obviously what makes it reversible because they're just, a nice there's an untying of the yeah. tube involved. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, so the, the, the... I wouldn't put you off having a third, Dave. I think it's, you know, you take a little break, you can start again, you're a bit more mature, you're not quite as panicky. You seem it's a bit of a calmer experience. Like, as if 
That's I don't it. know. Did you find? It seems oh, like there's no, no, no room. The third was another bomb. Oh, we found the second one was like, the second one was a totally different and easy experience, and she slept pretty early on, and so that stage was like, oh, this is actually pretty easy, and that was a false sense of security. <laughs> <laughs> you see, that's what I'm still concerned about all the time is saying, yeah, she's been great. Like she sleeps unbelievably well at night, but I still go to bed at half nine every night in fear that this is the night oh, that it's all sleep. going to change forever. We're like constantly on edge because he could come in at 11, he could come in at 12, he could come in at 4, he could come in at 5, or he could come in at half five, which is kind of worst. Because like, well, I'm getting up at 6 in a minute, so like the half five is like, you little prick, you're wasting my last half hour. But uh, I mean, obviously we love him dearly. <laughs> we just don't like him in the middle of the night. The, la- the lack of sleep is the biggest shock and probably the thing you worry about most before having a child and the thing that fathers, new fathers always tell you about. And what I have found is that I can stay up till, so sometimes we used to have a plan, certainly with the first where I used to work late, I'd come home, Debbie go to bed at 10 o'clock, <coughs> I would stay up till whatever time the late feed was and she'd get up early and we'd sort of work out the sleep that way. And that's fine. The second I go to bed now I find, if I'm woken up at any stage, I'm the most unreasonable man <laughs> in the world. Even if I had six hours, like last night she woke at half three. I've been asleep since like 10. I'm like, what are you doing to me? Are you, how am I going to go to work tomorrow? This is unfair. I have to work for the next three days. I'm going to kill this child. And, wow. yeah. Okay. It's just not right. Yeah, you're really not selling the idea. No. <laughs> yeah, <it was laughs> right, right. You went from, oh, it's actually fine to... Uh, you know, it was still six hours sleep in there, which compared to the previous two was... Quite an improvement. Six hours sleep, regardless of whether there's a newborn in the house, is like pretty good. Uh, every night. You just you're always knackered, though. That's the it's like the constant fatigue as well. Yeah, to, that's the I noticed that within a week this time around. I was describing it to someone. You know when you go on a stag, proper weekend stag. Yeah, you go on the tear Friday night, Saturday night. You might even then go for a few drinks on Sunday, and you have to go to work on Monday morning, and you're just gone. You're dead. I just need to get through today, and you're looking forward to bed all day. That's every day. Yeah, but like, you never get to bed on the Monday it's night. It's a mild You never get that relief. It's like being mildly hungover oh. every day. Shouldn't have, I really shouldn't have had those three pints last but night. But you just get used to it, don't you? Like, I mean, I, I, oh, yeah, body adapts. You do get used to it. And you, but you also kind of, we were discussing it yesterday, and you were talking about the, the newness of it. And mm. like, I'd actually totally forgotten it as well. Like, it, we probably didn't have it that bad. Like, he was pretty good sleeper pretty quickly like so there wasn't that overly sort of intense tiredness thing but whatever was there you do get used to it when you're in the middle of it and then forget about it almost immediately to the point where you think oh maybe we'll have another kid <laughs> no, but obviously as well when your wife is on maternity leave and there's only one child someone what can have a lie on every second what morning you can have a lie on mm. that's yeah. what I loved about uh, mm. Nikki been a maternity leave because every second day I was lying in there till mm. half nine, ten, half ten. Mm. It's amazing. Obviously, then she goes back to work and all hell breaks loose, <laughs> and everybody's up early then. But um, <clears throat> now we were the thing about the lack of sleep is that parental smugness is where karma bites at its most deadly. When you start telling people how great things are, mm. within a week you know the whole thing is going to mm. get turned upside down. And we ne- we were never smug because our second had one full night's sleep in his first twelve months. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we were, uh, and I do because we're coming up to his second birthday. I do remember like mid November twenty seventeen, lying there 
thinking it's like we have still got a newborn in this house we just we were up four times a night every night and we were just Probably crying just, just like, crying just yeah. wouldn't go wouldn't stay down it was just it was not looking for feeding or anything just might have been he might have been hungry he might have been cold he might have been just see, seeking a little bit of how nurturing. long would you leave him go before you went in to a week uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember to be honest what it was like I just remembered that feeling of desperation in the month of November right. and he turned one in November right. and that's why I can say with so much certainty that we had one full night in the first year because right. I can remember that night and the two of us waking up at about seven in the morning going oh my god we've slept all night this and is did he turn a corner at that point all, then, like, when I say turn a corner like a right angled corner he literally just started to sleep one night and has slept unless he's sick has slept every night since right. and that's like that is the sort of message I would give to parents of newborns it can change overnight in the best of ways mm. but it can also change overnight in the worst of ways so you will speak to parents who've had babies who are sleeping for four to seven hours a night from almost the day they're born and they're telling everyone how great it is and he's a little angel and then six months down the line for some reason Kick they're up the five times a night yeah. well that's what I'm concerned about and I was talking to my wife about the other day because I was like oh my memory and again forget absolutely everything and every bad night and all that is in the very distant past but I was like she's far better than the two lads were like and if she started this way she's obviously going to continue this way like she'll be sleeping through through the night in the next month it's like do you not remember Charlie in his cot which means he was definitely six or seven months old at least at that stage right the basket. literally wouldn't go to sleep unless you were singing to him and you were holding his hand. <laughs> and that process could take anywhere from 20 minutes to two hours. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that was quite annoying at the time, wasn't it? You do forget a lot from of the bad stuff. From 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock every evening as he just sits there and cries the second you stop singing. I have to say, I'm no good at the... So if he's in and if something's up, if there's like a bit of hunger or a bit of sickness or a bit of whatever it is, because as I said, he's generally pretty good, I'd say absolutely smugly, uh, appreciating the kicking the balls is coming at some point soon. Um, I'm no good at trying to wait out the crying. I'm awful at it. My wife will sit there stone cold Steve Austin and be like, you're not going in there. Forget about it. We're sitting this one out. Oh, you mean Whereas crying I'm like, out? I will, I'm like, I need to get in there now and stop this crying. Why? I just can't. It's... It's usually the mother that feels I, those feelings. That's exactly my point. I'm like, she's sitting there going, and it's probably because I'm saying, listen, I think I'll go in now and sort of take him out and quieten him down. It's probably because I'm saying that she's like, she's determined to say. But there. is that because she has a plan in place as to well, we should, no, how you I, want I, Yeah, to sleep? I suppose we both have a plan in so much as You're anybody crying. has a plan. Well, there, there's this specific cried out where like you wait half You've an hour. Made first a yeah, yeah, look, we, we... Did you do all that? Yeah, well, no, and he's, as I'm saying, like he's generally... Fine, so it doesn't really crop up that much. But I do find it tough to listen to the crying. I am really sort of. I've regularly been accused of being a cold-hearted bastard. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean. then you went home. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it has to be done. No, and it, it works. Done. My it God, does it work? Yeah. These kids. There's various theories. Their about body clock adapts very quickly. They begin to realise very quickly that there is just no point in calling for this fella because yeah. he's got absolutely no respect for my welfare. <laughs> <laughs> I might as well just stay asleep. There's various theories about how long you should leave them. So um, we would have done sort of five minutes at a time. So like let him cry, go in, take him out, comfort him, don't say anything, don't turn on the lights, put him back in, let him cry, go back in and repeat, repeat, repeat. Um, like, but you can, you heard, I definitely was speaking to somebody in here at one point during that process and it was like, yeah, you go in every minute, 
and take them out and calm them down. Well, that doesn't really... <laughs> well, you're like going to be doing that for the rest of your life. No, no, but you do it. You do it, and then you do it for, like, two days, and then it starts... It's fine. It's oh, well, we You've been picking him up every minute, and then he just decides he's well, going to stop crying. Well, I'm sick of being picked so, up. So I'm afraid to be asleep. So some people <laughs> the say, the warmth like, and love of my parents. You leave him for, like, five minutes or ten minutes, or for a period of time, whatever that is, half an hour. What about an hour and a half? Well, I haven't heard that, no. Uh, yeah, there's a, I mean, absolutely. Like, there's loads of different ones. Like, just, and the whatever, thing is, like, 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 I found the, but I, I like, the cold, more cold-hearted you mm. are, the better. After an hour and a half, so I, with our file anyway, he, there's an es- an escalation. So it's you know yourself, the sound of your child, whether it's desperately urgent or actually it's just fine. They're just sort of whimpering. Like this lad could get into such a state that, like, it's, I I definitely don't feel. Yeah, like well, they could work themselves up into such a frenzy where they're just going to throw up. Yeah. And at that point, you kind of get a then you So, what you need to find is the point the just seconds time. before that so that you don't feel yeah. terrible about it, but you've let yeah. them learn a or lesson. Or you fall asleep before that point <laughs> is reached. Yeah, yeah. Which has happened with us as well. But, like, they can't, they can't catch their breath and they're like frantic. Oh, yeah, and now, if, they're, if they're like short of breath, that's. Yeah. We didn't have that, but like we would have. There's definitely been nights or mornings where we've woken up and we've remembered that he had been awake crying. <laughs> and we each turned to and go, like, how long did it last? I don't know <laughs> because we fell asleep we almost became like you know hearing wise immune to, to the noise uh-huh. but there was look for an example for any say parents of a one year old we have a guy who's turning two now in a few, few weeks one o'clock and five o'clock without fail like within a 15 minute window right. but the the um, specific mm. nature of their body clocks is astonishing to me and we just said we have to get rid of at least one of these so within a week the one o'clock one was just gone because you let him cry it out just let him just right. he was just we can't do this anymore mm. so even if it takes two hours and Nikki would have been the one where it was, she was like I can't listen to this anymore mm. so it got to the point where I was suggesting like just go and stay in, with your mother for a couple of nights and I'll just listen to the, the you know the, the heartache right. but it worked it worked a dream. Every we never get that anymore. Now there's still the five a.m. one. We brought him for his little late actually his eighteen month checkup. So it was maybe two or three months late. It was during the week, and she was saying, "So what's the story with bottles and all that?" And I said, "Well, he's actually a great sleeper. We'll give him one when he's going to sleep, and then he'll sleep through till five every night, and then I'll give him I'll throw one into the cot, and then he'll sleep till at least seven. Then mm. she's like, "No, you need to get rid of that five o'clock one as well." Yeah, and she's right too. But it's e- far easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Often I wonder, do these, um, the nurses children. you're speaking, have they got, sh- this uh, nurse, she was great. She looked pretty young. I'm not sure she's got kids. Mm. It's very easy to say to a parent, you really need to get rid of the five o'clock. That's probably what you need to hear though as well, you know, like that coldness yeah. that's dispassionate. But we only we only took the bottle off our guy like a few months ago. Can he climb out of his bed? No. There's like a... No, it's too big. Too, right. There's still too much height. Yeah. But... Um, like if we think we, the other guy was pushing three and a half to four when we got rid of the completely <laughs> removed the ball and here she's asking me to take it off like yeah. a 21 a, a month old yeah and she won't have to le- deal with the consequences if it's removed or lad stopped drinking them it was like sort of Done. a parting of the skies it was like oh, oh my god he like we were trying to give them to him actively give them for it was that exact reason to get him just to Sleep. knock the hell out yeah. and he just started going uh, he'd sort of Piss around with it a bit and then go, uh, take it away. So we just had a right. That's happy days. But uh, I mean, he eats. Um, he'll be eating some other old shite now. Like that's the that's the trade off. Like before he goes to bed, he's like obsessed with food. I don't know. Are all kids like this? He's like, whenever we come home, it's like 
so he has he's he is his, he says good 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 a lot. That can mean anything. It means uh, George Pig. It means food. It means let's go out for a walk. But generally, like he'd be you make him sound like he'd a dog. Be, he'd be walking. <laughs> he'd, he's totally like a Labrador. He'll walk into the kitchen, going go 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 go, pointing at some sort of like the presses for some sort of rubbish. Ta-da. So he's replaced the. Uh, we're trying to move him along the milk ladder at the minute, so it's muffins now at night. He gets half a mini muffin at night. That's What's the milk ladder? I don't. He's got um, an intolerance to dairy, so okay. Um, you like I'm sure you have your sympathy for his dairy intolerance. Do you? No, I think everybody who's got a dairy intolerance is an He's asshole. a hipster baby. <laughs> <laughs> hipster asshole. Yeah. Uh, for soy milk or oat have milk? Have you tried the milk letter, have you? No. Yeah, so it's like this. It's just, I'm an adult. I'm not sure it's if like, it's aimed I at me. I don't know, yeah, but it's like a 12 step uh, thing <laughs> to getting them onto. Uh, <laughs> 12 step with Radix. Getting them onto what? Getting them, so at the end of the milk ladder is a glass of milk. <laughs> Has he made amends to all the different forms of dairy in their stomach? So, so, so there's the a series of. Yeah, so you get them. So the first thing was like these little baby biscuits that had a tiny little amount of milk in them. So he was like wolfing them up, no bother. Second step was bizarrely digestive biscuits. Lapped them up next to, and they had no reaction to it at all. Then the next one, we're on step three now, is the mini muffins of twelve. Yeah, he'd and be ten years it. old by the time. Ah, no, no, like every week or every other week. We've only started in the last one. Okay, and it, but he's so he get he had already got these blotches all around his, fla- his face, but they've sort of stopped now. The last one, so eventually you keep going. But I mean, I guess you could get to some point where actually you could easily get to a step in that ladder where it's clear that it's just not going to work. Yeah, and at which point you pull the plug. But. Uh, Got to give it a go because we don't want to. You could just pay like three. You could just pay three hundred quid to one the chemist and they tell you you're intolerant to dairy and. No, but he, he is. He is, but that's we're trying to work it okay. off. That's the we don't. I don't want him to end up being an asshole like you having to into coffee shops going. Oh Gosh. hey, can I get some of your almond soy milk? For um, um for dads out there that have had a long break from one child to the other, Nathan, what is the apart from the sleep thing, which is just you know, almost goes unsaid. What has been the most jarring? aspect of dealing with a newborn that you've completely forgotten about and that you're finding most difficult to get your head around again. Or happy. What's the happy bits? What are the good bits? I, see, I, I'm the definitely, reason I don't want to get a vasectomy is because I might yet convince my wife to have a fourth. Right? Why you oh, have a you're keen. Yeah. Like, why not? Because there's like a limited amount of time that you have to do this thing and we're probably over the hill anyway at this day. It's probably too late for us. But like, why not? Our lives are already ruined. <laughs> yeah, there is that. There is no saving our lives. God, so, I have completely I'm ruined. I'm surprised to say that now. Why? Why? Because you look at you, look at you. Look at you. <laughs> it turns out, it turns out people uh, uh, like to complain about stuff. Like it gives your life purpose and meaning. Yeah, yeah. I would say this is the happiest I've been a month into having a child. Maybe with the first one, like there was probably still a part of me that was still going. Oh, I wish I could go out on Friday night mm. and wish I could do this and wish I could do that. Probably still could. I, <laughs> Yeah, I probably still could. That, but. but just backs up what Jared just said. It's because you're in a place where you know your life is already ruined. <laughs> and so none of this stuff annoys you anymore. No, no, I'm actually quite calm. It's like, yeah, yeah this is this is my life now. Yeah. This is, but you're people, at home, you're, you're around. Says you're that two to three is nightmare. It is, yeah. What he's saying. Well, like, maybe as, you see, again, she's one he month he old. Well prepared for that. She does nothing. All she does is drink and sleep. Uh-huh. So as she starts manoeuvring herself around a place and suddenly you have a as it'll be a eight year old and a seven year old and a two year old like that is going to be I think I think that they're like because they're so old and so useful like they can mm. actually do all yeah. the stuff can, they, I think can you leave them alone to babysit at age <laughs> <laughs> the two to three being a nightmare really refers to like having three under four I would say mm. right like I would that, think that's now, what you have, I would think five and under we'd three yeah like We're if we threw a third in now we'd have three under four mm that it would just be 
in October will be seven, four, and two. So that's like it'll be seven, four, and three next March. Um, but I don't know. I mean, everybody's experience no. is different too, right? Like that's the thing. Like yeah, definitely. Like child number one, I felt bomb going off in your life. Child number two, not that much different to child number one because the bomb you were still like building the city Feeling back. From the and then uh, number three, there's like a, an earthquake as well as the bomb, and all the wobbly buildings fall. And mm. then you're like, oh my god. So. I just think there's less, that's, that's there's less stress with that, the... That point, that, that's not like a, an increment. What you're saying is that is... No, it's flat. Earth shattering. Destruction. Yeah. The last one is earth shattering. Totally. From, from, two is like, there and there, you can hold one, I hold one. Yeah. We still have like the buggy to push stuff in. Yeah. Now, it doesn't help that three is like a climber and a runner and likes to like scoot out in front of cars. <laughs> you're like... <laughs> Uh, there was only one one bad story when there was two of them. I was at a friend's wedding in town. Town weddings are obviously great because like you can sleep in your own bed and you get home. But it was the first night we'd been out after the second baby, and I had to bring them around to the shop the next day. And one of them was in the buggy, and the other one, <laughs> the other one was on her bike. And uh, the stabilizers weren't great on the bike, so she must have been three. Would have been three and one. What is? Yeah. So the three-year-old starts to cycle off and can't stop and cycles into the hedge and falls off her bike. So I ran after her together, not realizing that I hadn't put the brake. <laughs> that I hadn't put the brake on the buggy. And I look around and the buggy is careening out into the road and tipping over. Oh no. And a car comes screeching to a halt, and I'm like This one's bleeding. And this one's screaming, but the screaming one is safe because the woman in the Because the car hasn't stopped. stopped. Oh my god. Oh my. <laughs> I'm never what, going, what, which way did you, what, what did you do? I'm never going drinking again. Well, I had to get the one on the ground. Sat, in the, yeah. sat in the ground and cried for a few minutes. There was a little bit of that. There was yeah. definitely like... Uh, <laughs> Fuck yeah. my life. Yeah. I mean, that was like... After that, you kind of were like, okay, nothing, nothing too bad's going to happen, right? Why, I mean, do we, why do we do it? Uh, I don't know. Why do we have kids? Because like... It's the thing to do. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been coming around to that theory. It's just the thing to do, isn't it? Like, does it give life absolute purpose? Probably does. Well, <clears throat> anybody who, well, they're hard, hardly listening to this podcast if they do feel this way, but any of those who decide, well, I just simply don't want kids and I'm not having kids and they enjoy their lives and they get offended by people wondering why do you not want to have kids? Those people are absolutely fine, clearly don't have any kind of an urge to reproduce. But for those, like for us, for years, we were um, completely against it. And then Nikki's niece was born and we just fell in love with her. By the time she was one and a half, two, we were like, ah, come on. Mm. I mean, if they're in any way like this kid, <laughs> we have to have them. I but for us, wrong. I think, I think <laughs> not, once you decide that you want them or that you're, you're a long ways down the road deciding that you want one, if it doesn't happen then, or if you then decide you don't want it to happen, I think the regrets and the longing and mm. the what-ifs they will just go on for so long in your life. They will always outweigh yeah, but how much of a nightmare it might be actually having one. Appease yourself by driving around in your Ferrari drinking champagne yeah, and sort like of it's like enjoying life. If there life. is that longing... <laughs> and nice holidays. Yeah. Talk to parents who, for whatever reason, can't have kids. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter how many Ferraris they're driving mm. or how much free time they have or the, every penny they earn they can spend on themselves and they can, you know, take their six holidays a year. Like, it's just that longing for them... Mm for parents who have to go through fertility treatment or try and go through the, the, the adoption process, like, it'll never, that'll never change for them, no matter what they're driving. 
So we were thinking... Even a Lamborghini. We, well, maybe a Lamborghini. Because <laughs> we, we, we were thinking, like, the sense of regret will always outweigh yeah. um, the potential pitfalls of actually having a kid. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, yeah. I suppose it's an existential thing of passing on the baton and all that sort of... I mean, I don't know. Is this a... I, I, Is your can, baton really worth passing hey, on? Hey, hey. Con Barry, do you remember my father? Yeah. <laughs> Not really. Well, I mean, OK. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, something that uh, will take up a full show of its own, but I had the first fear of it this year, uh, this week, about two o'clock on Wednesday, my wife goes, feeling great, a bit shivery. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I have a bit of a temperature and a really bad pain in my stomach. And straight away, all I'm thinking is, you've got it, she's getting it, they're getting it, I'm getting it. 10 days time, this house is gonna get back to normal. We're suddenly about to enter this sick zone that I think we only had two or three times. Like we we had we had one issue. Remember when? Picking. Oh, now actually, it turned out she wasn't. Nobody else has picked it up. Thank Christ. So far, but we I do remember once where I said the lads were maybe three and one and a half, where all four of us had a stomach bug at the same time, uh, and literally we had to just at one stage go <laughs> shut the doors, let them puke on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing you can do. Try. But there's many great stories of just sickness. And the terrible state of mm. it's once they start going, once you put them into childcare. Oh, once they're yeah. in school, um, the regularity with which your house is just a sick bay, and everybody's ill, everybody's grumpy, nobody's slept. You've cleaned up a puddle of vomit, possibly your own as well, for the fifth time in the last twenty-four hours. Some things worse than vomit are also requiring a bit of a clean up, and you're just thinking they're shitting as well. Shitting on the floor. Well, there have been times where you shot on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> that could be any weekend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not specific to my children. No, but there are those weeks where it could be the vomiting bug, everybody's sick, and it's just a disaster. An absolute disaster. You can't leave the house. My favourite thing is that um, the crash infects your child with something. And you pay them for it. Yes! <laughs> yes, for the first time you discovered this, it's like, well, hang on a second, but presumably, like, you know, so my child went there, picked up an illness there, and now can't go there. You know, you're not going to make me pay for these three or four days or whatever. It's like, of course, what are you talking about? <laughs> you're a fool for even thinking that way. I'm like, really? Is that, oh. just, is that how it works? Or you go in on a Thursday morning and there's a sign on the door saying, oh, hand, hand foot and mouth is hand spreading. Mouth. And you go in and go, oh, it's, it's, it's around. Uh, you know, Lucy, who was here, uh, here yesterday, yeah, she's hand foot and mouth. I'm like, Lucy, who was coughing and spluttering <laughs> and had a massive red face and snot pouring everywhere. She had something wrong with her, you're telling me. And she spent the entire day here. For Christ's sake! Um, but it is weird. It's it's an it it really goes against the grain of the whole supply and demand capitalism, general economics. You're going to pay us to send your healthy child to us. We're then going to infect your child with any number of illnesses, and then we're going to prevent you from sending your child <laughs> to do the while, thing you're paying us for. Paying us, and you're going to have to take time off work. It's like what? <laughs> I mean, how how does that work in any other uh, facet or area of the business world? This particular business uh, setup would just break down. But you're left with absolutely no choice. If yeah. you want to retain your place in this crash, you will take your child out and you will pay us to mind the child even though we're not minding the child. Do you remember halfway through this conversation we said, oh, 
But what about the positives? <laughs> have we mentioned then, like, that? Well, we, what, well, we did that for about 30 time, seconds. The positives maybe just need to be a different podcast. Well, the positive is I'm looking at my daughter and she's this lovely smile, well, half smile because she's not quite at the smiling stage. Farting. And she's, and you're going, oh, isn't she perfect? And slowly but surely there's like a... And absolutely erupts as you're like, is it wind? Is, it, is she hungry again? Yeah, you do. She go, that, that newborn scream is like mad. It's a completely different sound from any other scream they make. And I don't know how long it lasts, but like, is it only a couple of months? And then it becomes a normal kind of whingy cry that yeah. you still get when they're seven. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that they can somehow express, uh, narrow it down to four different things where at the moment it could be any one of a hundred different things. Yeah. yeah. The, what I would say is the, the number of incidents of positives are massively outweighed by the number of incidents of the negatives. <laughs> oh, Jesus but, Christ! But the weight of each positive incident, like, papers over, oh, totally, yeah. you know, four or five times its weight in negative incidents. So, like, you could, they could absolutely leave you wanting to fire them out the window ten times. But that one time where they have you looking at them going, oh, my God, this person is just the most amazing person in mm. the world. That covers the other... Yeah, nine or ten negative incidents. Oh, well, it can happen like it can happen twice in the same ten minutes, <laughs> yeah. where they're like just completely mental, and then they're like, "No, I'm really sorry." And then, okay, okay this time, this time I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing the thing that you've been doing for the last hour and a half, and yesterday, and the day before, and the day before when you said you were sorry as well. But yeah. so, is that a, a minor positive to finish on? Uh, yeah, yeah. There was one uh, your, your delivery room. We didn't kind of talk about what the what the men are supposed to do in the delivery room because obviously the the rule is like nothing. But actually, um, you know, your wife is there hooked up to all sorts of stuff mm. and probably needs someone to help. Or sorry, your partner, whoever it is, is there. And uh, certainly the first time I went in, I was like, oh. second time I went in, I was completely pissed because we were at the PPIs. <laughs> <laughs> and I was not I was not quiet in that one and then the third time we did it was like we actually it was somebody very impressive was there in charge of the whole situation so the whole thing was very calm because she was in charge and she was a genius um, but it definitely felt like there was the first time you're too you're too backward to say stuff and you don't know what you're supposed to be saying or what you're mm. supposed to be doing or what your role is supposed to be I would definitely, if I could go back and tap myself on the shoulder, I'd be like, get in there and tell your one to stop doing that because it's not helping and it's creating tension in the room and we don't need that. Mm. And like, just make sure you've asked permission to do that. I'm just going to have a little word here and go, what are they doing? Is it, this, is, this is pre-delivery room, actually. The, delivery room. The, well, the whole way through, I guess, yeah. you need... So I probably would have been quite similar. We were lo very lucky this time that our midwife was brilliant and was very much in command of the situation and explained everything what she was going to do except that the baby was about to arrive where I was she goes we're, uh, they were inducing Debbie at say one o'clock in the afternoon and I was like oh it'll take a while so at about two o'clock there wasn't much happening so I'm like I might go get a coffee <laughs> and she's like no I wouldn't and literally within 40 minutes right, <laughs> the right, baby right. had arrived within two hours of the beginning of induction yes amazing but it was probably before that so Debbie's waters broke around four o'clock in the morning, which hadn't happened with the previous two, so we were unsure what to do. We went in. They're going to give you 24 hours, and then there was all sorts of conversations happening. And like, it, Debbie was very agreeable to everything they were saying because she's like, well, you're the experts. I'll do whatever you tell you. And you're kind of going, hold on a second. One nurse told me this. You're telling us this. You're telling us this. Are we going in now or are we going in and are we going to give it 24 hours? And eventually someone goes, oh, actually, there's a space now. Maybe we should just send her in now. Right. Like, it's... 
it's a small thing that probably when you're going in first time, you just literally listen to everybody and assume that they're brilliant at their job and that they're, yeah. your wife is their, your partner is the most important thing in the world to them. Or actually, there's 20 other people there. Yeah, they're literally and, just... And, and probably some people who absolutely need their care more. There's definitely, like, a, you know, you would learn as you go along that there's a way of politely asking but firmly saying, hang on a second, could you just explain that to us again? Mm. Why is this happening in this order? Because mm. that's not really how we were told. Um, and then the other thing that um, is like the the pre what are they called? What are the pre birth classes called? Prenatal, antenatal. Antenatal. They're bullshit. <laughs> they are completely bullshit. They paint this never never land of oh it'll all be flowers and like mm. it'll be like a tray of petals. Yeah. They don't they take, take into account circumstances. They do not take so into account. Did, uh, even, even the odds. We like, did a course with. Um, how would you best describe it? I can't remember the official title. Hippie. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> a chakra. Type thing that certainly in that on that scale of things a shaman and, uh, like it was yeah it was all about <clears throat> sort of promoting the idea of taking control of the birth yourself really and so we did up a birthing plan now like the birthing plan went fucking out <laughs> the window pretty sharpish <laughs> at some point but having said that it actually it gave us a good sense of like you were saying about asking questions and like one of the things we'd written down was you know like when the sort of um, Labour starts or whenever all that sort of stuff starts. Uh, like, we don't want to be... We just kind of mainly want to be left alone unless there's stuff to be discussed. And we ended up getting... So, like, you give people... You go around giving everybody your birthing plan or whatever. And the nurse that was with us... Um, yeah. Straight up his shoulder. Didn't, didn't read it. And she was like, chatty, chatty, chat, 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 chatty, chatty, chat. And I was like... So I was trying to occupy... I felt the best thing I could do was to occupy her and then let Wayne get on with whatever. Really, what you're doing is encouraging it's like, well, oh, this guy uh, really yeah. likes yeah, the chat. He's I nervously talking. I'll talk to him now. <laughs> I should look, she was lovely. I didn't want to, you know, put yeah, you're right. Probably tell her, listen, tap myself on the shoulder and go, listen, tell her to zip it. Your role within the delivery room and the process of the actual birth of the baby will just be so different depending on the circumstances. Mm. I, for the first one, <clears throat> I was far more involved than All right. I, A, had either planned on being, B, had wanted to be. How? Well, like it was pretty, it was a very difficult birth. And um, it was all hands on deck. I was right. at the business end, right. as opposed to like rubbing up the other end, saying <laughs> sweet nothings, everything's going to be great. You're doing so well. And then con- contrast that with the second one. We're in the uh, we're in the lift in the lift up to the emergency room, and she, she's told Nikki's told you will have a baby in fifteen minutes. Right. <laughs> like we right. barely we barely arrived. Waters broke on the floor of reception. We will be, we will um, we were barely in there, and then. The little dude was there, so when you say no you're involved involved. at the business end, what do you mean? Well, it's how specific. You there wasn't quite that. What were you doing? Much involved. Well, like, <laughs> <laughs> like this is the turning point no, in this podcast. Tell us, how far you're I mean, willing if you're, to sorry, go? Sorry, 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 sorry. At some stage, you cross a line whereby you are, you know, you're, you're telling tales, and your wife is about to kill you. Well, yeah, like you're here. You're going to things that are very private to your wife that really you or anybody else outside of her and I. But you do weren't not being tasked right. with anything of with that required medical training. Well, clearly. So I'm trying to. So I'm trying to. Who do you think I am? So I'm trying to establish on that basis what the hell you're doing at the business end. I'll tell you once we've the cameras have stopped rolling. That's no good. Uh, on that note, um, well, you may need to use your strength to make sure there's appropriate space for the baby to arrive into. I'm not quite sure no. what you mean. I, I think, think I know, I know what, what you mean. mean. I mean, 
Um, the right? one thing I would say about it uh, is that I saw uh, in about 10 seconds before the baby arrived, I saw a look on my wife's face that I've never seen before and I've hoped never to see again. It was... I'm going to kill you. It was... But proper. Proper I'm going to kill you. This it was is all Pete Doherty at his, like, after a seven-day binge with <laughs> more coke than he's ever had in his life. <laughs> the eyes coming out of her head. This isn't happening. This isn't happening! I'm like... <laughs> I think it is. I'm, sure it is. I'm like, I'm looking I'm just at the, go and get a I'm looking at the midwife going. I'm looking at the midwife going. It's definitely going to happen. It's like, no way she can this happen. It's not happening. The eyes out here. I'm like, bloody hell. Would you like a flat white love? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, really should have gone for that coffee, shouldn't I? Um, so, we were talking about um, WhatsApp audio messages this week in our house, and my wife discovered how they work. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. That was her first one. <laughs> that's, uh, that's her verdict on our uh, second podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. You can subscribe, you can share, you can like. Um, we think we're probably also going to set up a Twitter account for this. We'll give you the details of that on next week's show, but hopefully by then you'll have seen some of the stuff. We'll anonymize the tweets of um, the stuff that our children get up to, so they can't blame any of us. I will always blame you three. I can always be the scapegoat for you. It's a handy way to... That's what you're doing. Yeah, exactly, yeah, it's going to work. Uh, thanks very much for being part of this. We'll talk to you again next week. Look. <laughs>